Thank you, Mildred. That was tremendous. America's got talent. <laughs> Even if we import it from Uganda. <laughs> Last week in our Sabbath school class, we had a discussion. And um, I was saying how I grew up and um, uh, we grew up in a little tiny townhouse with uh, one bedroom was eight by 11 and the other one was like seven by nine or something like that, one bath. And I was knowing that the houses somewhere nearer to me were a little bigger. To me, they were huge, you know. <laughs> and I was thinking how poor I was, you know. And then just in our little class of just a handful of people, two of them grew up where they had to had to go outside to the latrine. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, I found out that I was rich when I thought I was poor. So, um, let me just turn this one away. I got two mics here. <laughs> um, then this week, the week that I was starting to prepare this, I got um, International Children's Care uh, sends an, a monthly newsletter to those who support some orphans, you know. And, uh, and there was a terrible story of um, they got the word at uh, the, the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, there was some mass slaughtering going on and 116 families where the parents were killed and everything, and there were 59 children. The, the first story was there were 44 children that, that had nowhere to go. And three Adventist churches took in these 44 children, a little to, you know, I don't know how much to each one of the churches. And then uh, the, uh, the conference uh, that the Congo happens to be in contacted International Children's Care because they knew they had an orphanage, okay? Well, the orphanage, I don't know the exact numbers. I think the orphanage had about 200 kids, and all of a sudden they're told, Hey, we got 44 more, more kids. Now, I can switch to this if I need to. I'm okay? <laughs> All right. So the orphanage uh, gets a call and say, hey, can, can you can you take these kids in, you know? And, uh, and these orphanages are supported by donors, you know? So if you, do, if you support a child, it's like $30 a month or something like that. And so they have donors for every one of the children they have, but all of a sudden they're getting 44 more. And, uh, um, and I started thinking about how poor I thought I was. These kids, their parents are killed. They're little young kids. And, and, uh, and they're hiding in the basement of a church because they're afraid that uh, the same soldiers or, or rebels will tr come to kill them too. And um, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing when you start seeing what's going on in the rest of the world, that uh, nobody in America can claim they're poor, even though I thought I was. <laughs> I was rich beyond measure when you compare the rest of the world. 
I, I highly recommend that you read the insert, uh, Patricia Wilson Williams with uh, the island of Kosray. Um, same thing, when you, see, when you see what the rest of the world has, you can't help but know that um, God is speaking to you to help. So my, my sermon title is The Greatest Miracle. Now I'm just going to go over three for diff three different reasons. First one is in Luke 7, but you'll, you'll notice that I'm technolo technology deficient. <laughs> so you will not see slides, so I'm asking you to open your Bibles. And for this half hour, if you're using your palm-held Bible, your iPhone or whatever it might be, please don't be distracted by text, you know. For 30 minutes, whoever texts you can wait for an answer. <laughs> so, um, so if we turn to Luke 7, verse 2 to 9. Luke 7, verse 2 through 9. It says, A certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man, I also am a man, placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The, Jesus is reaching out to perform a miracle for a non-Israelite, Roman centurion servant, and he heals him but he's so impressed with the faith of the centurion in believing that, that Jesus, all he had to do is say it and it would happen. The second parable I wanna to go to, not parable, the second miracle I wanna to go to is in John 11, starting with verse three. I'm going to start with John 11, verse 3 through 6. It says, Therefore the sisters sent to him, Lazarus was sick, they got word. The sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. They must have been perplexed. You know, he's with the disciples. They're, they're out of town. And Jesus, said, Jesus decides he's going to just stay two more days. And, and, and they're wondering, why, why aren't we going there right now? Verse 11 to 14 says, These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. You know, um, the Bible, if you go all through it on death, you will see that death is asleep. Death is asleep until the second coming. And Jesus was impressing that fact, as we'll see later as we go a little further into the story. Verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So he waited on purpose. But what was the purpose? Then Martha, verse 20, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever thought of that yourself? You've been praying for someone that's um, near death, and you're praying for a miracle, and that person ends up dying? Have you ever asked the Lord, Lord, if you had heard me, he wouldn't have died? Verse 23 to 27, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You see, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary were close with Jesus. He stayed at their house often when he was in this town. And, he, and they understood that death is but a sleep and that you rise at the second coming. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come to the world. So then she gets the message into Mary that, Hey, Jesus is here. So Mary comes, and then Mary says the same thing that Martha said. Then, verse 32, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We, we've all lost people that we prayed for. And, uh, and we don't know why some are giving extra life and some are not. Hezekiah was uh, approached by Isaiah and Isaiah was told to tell Hezekiah that he was going to die. Put things in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah prayed and he asked that he would be granted a miracle to stay alive. And then the Lord told Isaiah, okay, I'm granting him 15 more years of life. And so uh, he, was, he was given these 15 more years of life 
when he prayed. So why does the Lord heal some and not others? Um, why when Paul, we don't even know what his, he had something, uh, uh, some kind of physical ailment, and he, he prayed, and the Lord just said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And um, um, so I'll continue. Verse 37 now. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So people are starting to doubt Christ. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that it would, it, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? We're told that uh, anything man can do, God wants that man to do. That's why I'm going to go back to both Kosre and and you and the Congo. Um, you could say God just fix it all, right? How does God fix it all? Through us, through people who call themselves Christians. But what we can't do, He takes care of. So Jesus, verse 40, said to her, I read that one already, verse 41 to 44 now. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. When you pray, do you really believe that he's hearing you? Here's what Jesus says, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you hear me. Do you believe that the Father hears you when you pray? Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Verse 44, And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. This crowning miracle, the raising of Lazarus, was to set the seal of God on his work and on his claim to be divinity. And yet the Pharisees still found ways to, to fight it. You can't make it more clear that uh, no man ever raised the dead. Now if you also think about his other miracles, he, he did raise dead in other cases, and he healed people in different cases. But this one is the first one that was a personal friend. Lazarus was his good, good friend. And, um, um, but what that tells you is that it doesn't matter. Jesus is there to heal everybody. He's just looking for people to believe. The, um, the last miracle, I would call it, is the woman caught in adultery. And that's in John 8. And Nancy read it already, but I'm going to read it again. John 8, verse 3 through 11. 
It says, then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Have you noticed they didn't bring the man? Actually, the man might be one of them coming to try to get the woman stoned. Um, so the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to, to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. He just started writing into the sand, and um, we believe that he was writing some of the sins of those standing around him ready to, ready to stone the woman caught. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the, the stone at first, at her first. We know the only, the only man who ever lived without sin was Jesus. And when we're condemning someone else, sometimes it's for something we have done ourselves even. You see that in politics all the time. I'll stay out of that. <laughs> and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, verse 8, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your, those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, I believe the greatest miracle is a changed heart. Sometimes it's right at the first time you might become baptized. Sometimes it's later in life. Um, and, and you realize you just haven't been as uh, dedicated to the Lord's work. But uh, we can have changed hearts, and the greatest miracle is that God forgives each and every one of us, and God loves every one of us. We can read stories about others, but do you really believe when he tells you that he loves you, do you believe it? I'm just going to go through some promises all in the book of John that it's as soon as I find them. <laughs> all right, so first, let's look at John 3, 16 to 18. So you're not going to have to be jumping from one book to another, and I'm going to go in numerical order, so it'll always, always go on, on to the next one. John Everybody knows John 3, 16, to 8, 16 mostly, but um, I'm going to read through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. 
But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So like when Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, he was talking to you too. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I like that word assuredly. I uh, did a little study in the past about words of assurance, confidence, uh, and, and I made a large list in this time. This is just my list that comes out of the book of John. John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed, passed from death unto life. In John 6, 37 to 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, um, we're also told that, uh, that John the Baptist, by Jesus himself, said he was the greatest prophet of all time. And yet he didn't raise up John. He didn't save him from being beheaded. And so when we, when we struggle with, with why was this person saved, why was this person not, we're living in a world damaged by sin. And unless we see the results of sin, we'll, we'll never get revolted by it. And um, let's go to John 10, verse 27 to 29. John 10, 27 to 29, it says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Now this is not saying once saved, always saved. This is saying that it won't be Jesus that gives up on you. He still gives you the freedom of choice to walk away, because people do but it won't be Jesus giving up on you. John 14, one to three. You know, there's a verse in uh, Deuteronomy that was in this week's lesson that we should take these promises and write them on our gates and on the walls and, and uh, you know, we're all gonna have some rotten days, right? There's bad hair days, there's bad mind days, there's all kinds of bad days. Um, if we have these promises posted on our refrigerator and, and, and wherever you would put these things on your mirror, um, it's always good to realize how much God loves you. John 14, verse one to three. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, 
that where I am, there you may be also. John 20, verse 31, <clears throat> this one is actually the words of John. All of those were the words of Jesus. But John 20, verse 31, But these are written that you may be, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Again, I believe the greatest miracle is a changed heart. When we see what Jesus has done for us, and we see, you know, I get other things in the mail. This one from the Congo really touched my heart. Um, there's sometimes, obviously, you can't help every cause that comes along. But um, as Pat so much so well said, make sure you read that insert. <laughs> don't just toss it in your garbage or don't just... Um, she learned by going out to this island how poor people are. And, and, uh, and there's, there's got to be something we can give up to help the people of Kosre, to, to help these children in the Congo. Um, that's all Jesus is looking for, people who who uh, have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ. Our closing song. Is number 248, Oh How I Love Jesus. <clears throat> 